everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new review on the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now, I'm going to be doing a spoiler review for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Again, this is a full spoiler review. I'm going to dive into everything in this four-hour epic, which stars Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Ezra Miller, Ray Fisher, Jason Momoa, Henry Cavill, and of course, is directed by Zack Snyder. I spent a lot of time trying to divide us. I made a promise to him on his grave. I need to bring us together. There are enemies coming from far away. They serve an old power. This world is divided. No protectors here. No lanterns. No Kryptonium. It will fall in his name. Now again, this is going to be a full spoiler discussion for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So if you have not seen the film yet, watch it, come back, and then come here and we can discuss everything that is going on with you. You can hear my thoughts on everything I thought about this film. And just for people that maybe don't know the plot around Zack Snyder's Justice League, it does take place after the events of Batman versus Superman in which Batman, played by Ben Affleck, is going out to recruit all these other metahumans such as Aquaman, Flash, Cyborg, after the death of Superman to stop the villain Steppenwolf from gaining these three mother boxes in lieu to Darkseid and destroying Earth before Darkseid comes over to conquer the world. So that's really the generic premise of this film. And it goes in deep dives into everything that I think a lot of fans wanted to see in this four hour cut. And again, this is one of a one of the, the craziest stories in Hollywood history. When you talk about a film that already had a theatrical cut, there is this grassroots fan campaign that thought they didn't get the film that they were that they thought they were gonna get after BBS in 2016. And after three to four years of campaigning to release the Snyder Cut, Warner Brothers finally decided to give it a go. And with the launch of HBO Max last year, they decided to put this four-hour cut of Zack Snyder's version of Justice League onto the streaming service for everybody to see. And there are fans that I think, again, this is Zack Snyder, somebody who is a very divided creator in all of his movies, from his time in the DC Universe to his his Watchmen movie to even something like 300. He, he's a very divisive creator in, in the techniques that he does, the story decisions that he makes, the character decisions that he decides to go with, they're all pretty much divided. And I think that same sentiment is going to go with this cut of Justice League. And I've said it on my podcast before, I'm somebody who over the years have started to really respect Zack Snyder as a filmmaker and enjoy a lot of his DC films specifically. And a lot of his other films, I think a lot of people come around to them years later. I did this, I did that with Man of Steel where I went from it just being a good film that I really enjoy to one of my personal favorite top 10 comic book films of all time. I still have issues with Batman versus Superman, but the ultimate edition I think is a far better film than the theatrical cut that came out in March of 2016. 16. And the same thing I think was expected for a lot of people going into this of how is this film 
in lieu to the theatrical cut that was made and put in theaters in 2017, which was carried over with Josh Whedon and the studio decided to make a lot of different additions to the film. And because of a personal tragedy that fell Zack Snyder and his family in 2017, he had to step away from that film. So there's a lot of drama going on behind the scenes of this. And is it a better film than the theatrical cut that came out in 2017? And I can say that with a definitive hell yes. Absolutely, this is a far better cut, a far better version of Justice League than we got in 2017. It's night and day in its comparison. And there are definitely a lot of scenes and there's definitely a lot of dialogue that is from this cut that was in 2017, but it's punched up a lot better and there's more weight to the scenes and the dialogue and the chemistry between these characters than what we got in 2017. And me personally, this was always gonna happen, a lot of people have done it, is compare the theatrical cut to to this cut and what's in it, what's not in it. And the first time that I watched it, I was doing that a whole lot. We're seeing, well, is this line that was in 2017 here in this cut? And sometimes there is some surprising stuff and sometimes there really isn't. But overall, I thought this was really, truly an amazing film. And I, I was on board from the start. I've seen this film three times now from beginning to end, and I've really enjoyed what I have seen. It it, it tells an actual story, I think, in, in giving really kind of a, a story and a hook that I think can have people engaged in this film, whereas the 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 meat the, or rather the the the, the bones the, the that the outline of this film is the same as the 2017 cut where Batman is recruiting these heroes and they have to stop this alien from destroying the world. That basically is the same plot line as as Zack Snyder's Justice League, and you have the mother boxes which act as the MacGuffins to this film. But again, it's the way that it ties everything together, connects Arthur's story and and Victor Stone's story and Barry's story, all of it together in formulating this team up together. And the first half of the film really fleshes out these characters so much more. And like, again, with the 2017 cut, you get the bare bones of it. That doesn't work as much to its effectiveness. But in Zack Snyder's cut, you get the meat and the potatoes, the the, the, the flavor of what you missed out in that theatrical cut. And you see cyborg story you see a fleshed out Barry Allen and what he's going through and the first half is really kind of building up this team and the second half is really going into and and showcasing this team that we've been building up for for really almost hour hour and a half into this cut and the last two previous films that Zack Snyder did in the DCEU so I thought developing these characters was amazing. The chemistry between the the, the the superheroes was great to see. I thought that they were actually a team. And I think one of the things that's different, again, going, and I'm gonna be doing this a lot in compare, comparing, contrasting Whedon or the, the, the studio cut, the Whedon cut to Snyder's cut is, I think what 
DC Warner Brothers wanted Josh to do in the punch-ups to the script with Justice League was add some of the, the things, the similarities that he did in the Avengers films, which was to add animosity with these characters, and then you have them team up at the very end for the final battle. Whereas with this film, you kind of get the, the struggles, the tension in the beginning when they're formulating this team, and then once they actually come together, even though there's some friction here and there, not as much from the 2017 film, but they, they really kind of come together and work together in incredible ways. And I just love, again, the chemistry between the entire team and the way they work together and how they formulate and really work together once they're a team and still trying to work out all the kinks. So I thought that was was really, really amazing to see. And some of the themes that I really like that Zack Snyder continues from his two films are in this cut from going into the the, the mythology, the, the the gods and 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 the devils and really going into that that Greek Myth, mythology that Snyder really has pulled from in linking to the superheroes into that that kind of mythology that we really take into consideration whenever we're learning history lessons. So I want to kind of move over to talking about a lot of the standouts in this film. And the first one to me, and, and I, again, just, it makes me excited to see him just back, even though this is something that he filmed in 2016 and, and a little bit in 2017 when Zack was at the helm. But I loved Ben Affleck as Batman. And specifically, I think he really shines as Bruce Wayne in this film. Because really for the first hour, hour and a half, two hours, really the first three parts of this film, he's just Bruce Wayne. And you don't see him in the Batman costume until the fourth part for the second half of this film. And I I think him engaging as Bruce Wayne and really kind of fleshing out the personality of Bruce Wayne a lot more, he did a fantastic job of doing that. And you kind of see him become and evolve as this leader. And even though, again, I still have problems from kind of the, the, the 180 that he does right away after the battle between him and Superman with the whole Martha instance, I've been able to get over that a little bit. I still have his issues of, of how quick that turnaround was able to do. But I love the motivations that Batman has in this, in which he feels guilty for being uh, being one of potentially the main reasons for the cause of Superman's demise, really. And he is putting it on himself to formulate this team to honor Superman and to create beacons of hope for the world. And you and the, the one of the big things in this film that's always talked about is faith and having faith in yourself, having faith in humanity. And it that's really kind of, I think, put across the board for a lot of these heroes. But with Bruce, he he says a lot, it's it's I'm having faith. I'm, I I believe and I have faith that Superman will come. I have faith that this will work and I have faith in this team. And you didn't really see that a whole lot. I think that's a different side of Batman and Bruce Wayne that we'd never really seen before because he's always somebody, at least in the live action iterations that I've seen of Batman and the animated stuff as well, in which he always wants to be the loner, the, the one man show, the person that can't be affiliated with anybody because he feels like it will put people in danger. But he wants this group to kind of come together and work alongside them. You kind of see him become this leader that we that we at least have not seen him be in these films beforehand. So I really like that aspect of Ben Affleck. Another standout to me is Ray Fisher, of course. And 
really one of the big things that a lot of people I think that have been following the story for a long time has always been when Zach talks about what his cut of, of Justice League was going to be that Ray Fisher Cyborg was always going to be the heart of the film and I think for a lot of for a lot of people uh, they were always wondering if that really was going to be the case because even in the the 2017 cut Cyborg was really kind of relegated as a supporting character didn't really get a whole lot to do in that film but with this version of Justice League it really is true that Cyborg is the heart of this film and I think he has the best arc from beginning to end in terms of development as a character in which you see the struggle between a father and a son who always kind of had this a little animosity towards each other and before the accident but then after the accident of Victor Stone and the death of his mother both of them are kind of dealing with with guilt and remorse and 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 Victor somebody who is trying to deal with being what he is and and how does he go on living his life this way when he was supposed to die and I, I think kind of fleshing out the character of Cyborg and really kind of showcasing the true origin of Cyborg in which Silas Stone, who is Victor Stone's father, shows him what he can be and basically that he is this digital god and he can control nuclear warheads. He can he can do things financially that can either hurt people or benefit people. And Silas kind of tells him that where you're going to have these compulsions and wants to do things that you're not that you are going to not have to do. And there, there's just there's just this amazing scene in, that that Ray Fisher just does an incredible job of doing, where he helps this woman who is struggling financially. She has a family, the two kids that she's supporting on her own, and she's struggling to make ends meet. And Ray Fisher sees that and sees the goodwill that she does, even when she is on hard times, and decides to give her more money by just kind of accessing the web and, and the servers of the banks and giving her more money and to see kind of that scene play out and how Zach really pays attention to this character, I think is absolutely incredible. And by the end of the movie, when when Cyborg is, is ready to, to kind of sacrifice himself to save the world, utilize his powers, and the team kind of rallies behind that in the last 40 minutes of the film was incredible to see. So I can understand really all these years later for Ray Fisher, why he has animosity towards Josh Weed and Jeff Johns, the people at Warner Brothers, because when, and he's talked about it, when you get the call from Zack Snyder and you're developing this character, and this is really Ray Fisher at the time, his first major role in anything. Before this, I think he was just a, a really a, a theater actor, and this is his first major opportunity in live action anything from television and film so to kind of work and flesh out this character for your first live action performance is incredible and you film everything you feel good about the what the world is going to see from you for the first time from this character that you're bringing to light representing diverse voices being being a black man and and really kind of bringing this to the forefront and working with Zach and Chris Terrio on representing the good natures of, of, of black men and black people and that community and minority communities and you see that in this cut and then to have that all kind of basically stripped away in 2017 and get basically see your entire character arc reworked I would kind of be blindsided by that as well if I was any actor really so 
I can understand where he's coming from and just seeing all the richness that Zach and Chris Terrio brought to this character in this four hour cut and especially that third part beloved mother beloved son is you see kind of the origins of Cyborg and the character trajectory that he takes throughout it is just absolutely incredible and to become such a great vocal leader within that team and the same thing can really be said for Ezra Miller as well in terms of fleshed out characters that we get to spend a lot more time with and really Ezra Miller was relegated to just being a comedic standpoint in the theatrical cut of Zack Snyder's Justice or, or of Justice League in general and then even though he still has a lot of comedic points in this film I still think some of the, the the great grounded parts are invested into his character from the, the things going on with his father and also kind of being a little bit of an outsider and a loner and, and wanting to be a part of this group and also being able to prove that he fits and belongs in this group from being a speedster but also being able to move back in time and also just the way that he's able to kind of just move time back from the 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 mother box and Superman's ship to being able to, to move at the speed of light and, and break the time barrier and pull back time and then when it seems like Steppenwolf has won and the mother boxes unite and they break and they destroy all of Earth, Barry is able to move back time and to see all of that kind of transform and to see Barry's arc just kind of him taking the mantle and, and making and saving the world basically was just absolutely incredible to see and Ezra Miller who is also another great actor even though he does have some issues that have yet to still be addressed with everything that happened last year with an altercation at a bar I think again just from an artistic standpoint Ezra Miller kind of being a really good actor that he is I thought he did a great job of balancing that comedy but also the the levity at the same time and bringing some really good uh, comedic moments that I think worked and just kind of go to those comedic moments real quick I think the comedy in this film worked a lot more than the stuff in Justice League. And again, Josh Whedon has a lot of stuff going on right now, and it does not look good for him. But when we talk about him from an artistic standpoint, I think a lot of his jokes, his punch-ups that he did on the Justice League script, that fits the Marvel mold more than it does these characters in DC. Because DC characters are a lot darker. The comics and just the nature alone are a lot darker than the Marvel comic book characters are and the worlds that they live in and so i just think a lot of the jokes that were in the the 2017 version of justice league that weren't in this version of Zack snyder's film you could tell night and day that the jokes are just a lot better they fit the characters a lot more and they weren't just there for the jokes they fit the story they were casual they didn't feel out of place and a lot of it does come from momoa and Ezra Miller, and I think they work to a lot of effectiveness in this cut of the film. And just to go to Momoa real quick, he was to me similar, I think in terms of the the similarities to the characters, I think it was kind of the same in, in the, the 2017 cut and, and this one, but I think you do kind of get a lot more of the background of 
Arthur that you didn't get in the theatrical cut where I think if you were to watch this film and then go to Aquaman in terms of the the character story the character arc of of Arthur and having this kind of be in the initial point of when we're introduced to Aquaman having seen him kind of struggle in being and embracing his heritage as an Atlantean but also wanting wanting to do his part with his abilities to save people but kind of having that tug and pull of of honoring his Atlantean heritage but also being a human as well so I thought that was really interesting in the in the first half of this film so I really enjoyed that and Henry Cavill as well and I want to transition over to Superman to, to kind of talk about him because he comes up in pinnacle points of this film and kind of just like the the 2017 cut but to more effectiveness in Zack Snyder's film Superman does have a very limited part in it. and he doesn't really show up until the the second half of this film hour and a half left in in this four-hour cut is not really when he shows up so I think when when Henry Cavill does come in and to me he is my favorite Superman he makes an impact he does an incredible job and I think for Zack Snyder if there's one thing that he definitely did wrap up it was I think the story that he told really well with the build-up to what we have Superman to be right now from and kind of concluding this first part of his journey from kind of being an outsider and being an alien and wanting to be embraced by Earth and whether he should come out with his powers or not to the world and then kind of resurrecting himself and embracing his powers and him accepting humanity and leading humanity I think you see that a lot in this film and especially when he comes in and I think what Zack does incredibly well with Superman is the fact that he realizes that once Superman's in play, whoever, other than maybe Darkseid, whoever comes in isn't going to put up much of a fight. And you see that in the final battle when the rest of the league is battling Steppenwolf. It's it's a fight to the death and it's it's a back and forth. But when Superman comes in, the league has the advantage all the way. In just a matter of minutes, Superman is able to take down Steppenwolf no problem with the help of Wonder Woman and Aquaman. So I think when, when Henry Cavill and Superman do come in, they come in with effectiveness hearing the the mixture of junkie xl score with han zimmers for superman was great then i'll talk about junkie xl score a little bit later on which i really did enjoy but seeing superman in here i think in the time that he's given he does a really really good job in continuing the arc of what we see with superman and then another character that I just mentioned that has a huge shift in his character dynamics is Steppenwolf, the villain for a majority of this film. And I think he definitely has a much better arc in this version of Justice League because there's more depth to him. There's more layers to him where he's not just a one-note villain that's looking to dominate the world and take over the earth and unite these boxes. There's a reason for why he wants to gather these boxes, why he's doing this and you get more about the backstory of Apocalypse and Darkseid. And you see Darkseid, who is fantastic. And you see that there was a falling out between Steppenwolf and Darkseid. And how Steppenwolf wants to get back into his good graces. And there's motivation for why he's doing the things that he's doing. And it's not so much the case of someone like a Thanos or a or a Killmonger. But it's more in line with someone like a Loki, who is doing the things that they think are right. But he doesn't think that what he's doing is going to help people. He knows that he's going to be dominating the earth and killing 
all of these people, not no remorse whatsoever, but you feel for him on a personal level of wanting to get back into graces with his family in a way. And I think people in weird ways can relate to that in some kind of a fashion, maybe not to the tyrannical standpoint of Steppenwolf and what Darkseid represent, but in wanting to get back into good graces and doing whatever it takes to do that was, I think, an interesting dynamic that we didn't see play out in any kind of imagination with with Steppenwolf and in the 2017 cut. And of course, someone who was completely taken out of it was Darkseid. And even though we don't get a whole lot of Darkseid, we do get a, a good portion of him, especially in that, that the second part of this film in the Age of Heroes segment where Wonder Woman gives the history lesson to Bruce and you kind of see this younger version of a conqueror who is just badass. And, and the visual look of him is just absolutely amazing and across the board even Steppenwolf looks so much better than he did in 2017 and that's a credit to the VFX teams especially from Weta and other production houses that that helped in the post-production process of finishing up this cut he just looks absolutely incredible he's menacing and even in those final few scenes that he's in in the third act of the film he just has a huge presence and his presence really does linger on and and Ray Porter because I don't think Ray Porter did the motion capture for this film he might have for all i know but i think the voice of dark side in which i know that for a fact that's probably ray porter he he nails the voice and it's menacing grueling and memorable and, and memorable and he, he just did a really really good job so in terms of the villains a lot better much better and even though we might not get any more of these films in in the snyderverse i think if you were going to set up dark side he snyder did a really good job of setting him up of how he would be the ultimate villain in this story that Snyder was was telling and then and so those were really a lot of the characters that, that stood out to me the most. So ben Affleck was the one. Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot I thought was, was really good, but Ben Affleck, Ray Fisher, Ezra Miller, Henry Cavill to me were, the, were the, the big standouts. And if I had to dwindle that down to two, it would be Ray Fisher and Ben Affleck to me that, that stood out. Because again, Ben Affleck to me just has been a, a really a great Bruce Wayne and a great Batman. And it doesn't seem like we're gonna get any more of him, but it, just to kind of go back to that character and to see him evolve more was really great to see and again seeing that the villains was was great but i want to kind of move over now to the actual the, the actual sequences that played out in the movie in particular the format of the movie is really what i want to talk about next and the the way that it's kind of broken up and it's broken up into these seven parts there's six parts and an epilogue and for the most part i think they actually work and i know at dc fandom last year zach was saying that this is going to be a four part or four six part miniseries instead of a four hour cut and it was going to be a mini series that maybe HBO Max was going to release, but over the course of the months, it seemed like that wasn't really going to happen because it seems like there was a lot of logistics that had to be worked out if that was the case in terms of contracts with the actors and maybe the crew that the, the contracts that they agreed to at the time in 2016, 2015, they were to make a movie. So I don't think they were able to break up the 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 cut as if it was actually a limited series although 
they kind of do find a way to do it in terms of these seven parts that you can kind of break up and work around. And I think if you were to watch this in parts instead of a four hour film, it definitely lends itself to that where I think, I don't know if this was by design or if or, or it just worked out this way. But whenever a segment does end, it feels like it is one episode that you watched in this lengthy limited series that you're able to do. And I think this is where HBO Max really comes into its effectiveness, where for me, I, I took a break about about two, almost two and a half hours into this film between, for me, if you want to watch this into a four hour film, which I think doesn't fly by because I think the first half is a lot slower and when we get to the negatives, I'll talk about that a little bit more. But if you want to watch this as a four hour cut, I do think the first half of this film is a little bit slower with the establishment of all the characters and establishing and formulating the team. But I think when you get to the second half, it really does kind of fly by and you're wondering how you were able to get through the, the second half of that film like it was nothing, like you were the Flash just whizzing through time like it was nothing. So I definitely think you can watch this in, in four hours if you have the time. But if you don't or you want to break this up into the segments that it's in, I think Zach and, and his post-production team were able to find the best spots to break the film up into these episodes that if you wanted to watch the first two episodes of this seven episode limited series you'd be able to do that and then be able to kind of come back and watch more episodes as you were to go out throughout the week or how long you wanted to break up this this cut and i think watching it as a limited series you're able to do that and if you wanted to maybe watch a lot longer more than just two parts of this cut you could definitely i think get to the fourth or fifth part i think that's a really good breakoff point if you want to either a just wait until the next day to watch it or break it up in terms of taking an hour off or taking a little time off to take a break from the film and then come back to it i definitely recommend the fourth or fifth part are the best places to do that the fourth part i think the the the, the first or the fourth part is really the formulation of the team and you kind of get that first major action sequence in the fourth part with the team together but the fifth part kind of le- the, the the ending of the fourth part going into the fifth part really kind of breaks off as like the first the ending of the first act to this with the team deciding that they have to resurrect Superman. You get that Lois Martha scene in which it's a big reveal that it's actually Martian Manhunter, who is Harry Lennox's character. So I I think that you there's different points that you can definitely break up and enjoy this film in different parts if you didn't want to watch it in its entirety as a four hour cut so i think the segments are broken broken up very very nicely there's action sequences in every single one of them so it's not like you're watching a big part or or a small part and not and just getting dialogue or story or exposition you get some really good action involved with every single one of the parts that's involved with so I definitely recommend either one watching it in its entirety if you have the time and the the the, the stamina and the endurance to do that kudos to you but if you want to break it up into the seven parts definitely do that as well and i think it works just as well to do that so definitely the seven parts i think the segments break up very nicely it acts as a four-hour movie or can act as a seven-part miniseries and to me the the score is another huge positive that i loved of this i love the junkie xl score and how he was able to come up with new themes 
especially for for the flash for cyborg and for batman but also expand on the iconic scores that we know specifically wonder woman's theme and i know a lot of people don't love the big operatic score that comes in and it definitely at some points can get a bit tedious every time it comes in and wonder woman's ready to do battle but i think it is very effective when you watch that initial time and i think it kind of just delivers on that epic scale and also the same thing can be said with Superman's score and again even though we don't get Superman back resurrected until the second half of the film but when, when you see Superman in action when you see the black suit which by the way the black suit it's cool doesn't have a big implication in terms of the story I just think Zach wanted to include it in there and having it in there it was kind of cool to see so I have no problem with that but to kind of hear the score of Man of Steel especially that first flight when Superman is resurrected in flight 2.0 was so 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 cool to finally see and then when superman comes in you get that second half of first flight and and you, it just kind of jolts you back up and, and, and excited to see superman and seeing him be kind of that leader that that swaying point of being the definitive factor of why the justice league are so successful was just awesome to, to, to see and and junkie xl score does just doesn't does an amazing job of delivering on this epic scale it makes you feel that every single time you listen to it and the main theme for the justice league the the crew on war power was amazing to hear especially in that final battle and to hear it in the credits was just absolutely amazing 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 stuff so kudos to junkie xl and i can't wait to hear more of his stuff down the line and the stuff that i want to talk about that i didn't really like when we talk about cons to the film i think again as much as i have appreciated Zack snyder more as a filmmaker throughout the years there are still a lot of things that i think that he can shorten up on and again i know this is a four-hour cut and he was able to really just kind of go all gung-ho do whatever he wanted and that included a lot of the things that i think snyder does that he doesn't really need to do all that much and that includes some slow motions that i think were a little unnecessary especially toward in the first half of the film the first few parts there's a few slow motion aspects that i didn't really need like aquaman kind of saving that 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 guy from the the ship that was in the theatrical cup but kind of having him slow-mo walk out to the to, to the harbor and then going into the ocean i think you could have cut that up a little bit i think there's a, a part of the themiskira fight which was badass to see the themiskira and connie connie nielsen kick ass with steppenwolf but there's instances where there's slow motion that doesn't need to be slow motion when she's running out of the gate and, and the doors are slamming behind her every single time Connie Nelson slides. She slides in slow motion. I think that was a little bit unnecessary. The one instance of slow-mo that worked with a combination of music was Amy Adams as Lois Lane. And I think, again, another underrated part in this film is the grievance of Lois Lane in the grieving Clark and grieving her love, the love of her life and kind of the steps that she goes through and working her way back up to going to work again, living life, and then to kind of see that juxtaposed in part five with the team trying to resurrect Superman and and also seeing her kind of go back with Superman and to realize that she's pregnant. I thought she had a, a very interesting 
subtle arc that worked out very well in this film. And again, for for that part of it, when you get kind of the music with the slow-mo, I think that aspect worked when you see kind of the beginnings or the continuation of Lois grieving the loss of both Superman and Clark, the, the love of her life. So I think that part definitely worked a lot better. But again, some of the other slow motion and some of the other music and even like the stuff with Barry and Flash, I definitely didn't think that we needed all that much, even though I do like the effectiveness of showing some of Barry's powers, I think were, were used really, really well. So I could have gone, you could have gotten away with that, but the Aquaman scene, the some of the Amazonian slow-mo, I didn't really need. But again, all that I think has worked out in the first half of this film. The second half, there there's not a whole lot of slow-mo. And if there is slow-mo, which I think it's used very well and effectively, with the character development and the character scenarios in the film and the powers that are used. So I definitely think that that those are really the big kind of cons that I had with this. And, and I definitely think if you kind of cut this up into a three, not even three and a half, but there's definitely like 30 minutes you can cut out of this. And I think if you get like a two hour and 40 minute, three hour cut, it, this would have been, I think, an even better film if you were kind of to shorten up the last hour or so of the film and probably definitely in the beginning. Like you don't need the... The, the, the townspeople in the beginning where Aquaman is, you don't need them singing and picking up his, his, his shirt when he goes into the ocean. You don't need that stuff. That stuff you can cut out. There's a lot of the slow-mo stuff you can cut out and shorten up a little bit. So I think make this even more of an effective film, especially in that first half. And the final thing that I really want to point out on in this is, of course, probably the most talked about aspect of this Justice League. And that, of course, is the epilogue where you kind of get the ending of all the heroes arcs for this film but then the last like 15 minutes of this film is really Zach just kind of going all in and throwing putting his cards out basically on the table and saying this is what I would have done if I were given the if I if 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 I was able to finish out my five story arc, this is where I would have gotten. And we get that nightmare sequence, which I was a little surprised that I thought with the trailers and everything that might have been in like the the middle of the movie. But I'm actually kind of happy that if you were to place that anywhere, it would have been maybe towards the end because you kind of get the self contained story of the Justice League kind of coming together and having that be the film. But we get that nightmare sequence that I think we were expecting, and you see Jared Leto's Joker, and I think just with the nightmare sequence, I like the the performances, even though they aren't they weren't there on the same day. The back and forth between Leto's Joker and Batman, the ideological battle that they have with one another, I love that. I thought that was really cool to see Mera in there, to see Flash and Cyborg. That was really cool. But again, I think. As much as Snyder does visuals really well, and he's a great technical director, this is the one time that his, I think his technical skills got the best of him, and that I think he wanted, especially on the close-ups, he went really handheld, and I think a lot of it had to do with the logistical fact that he didn't have Ben and, and Jared there on the same day, but there's a lot of close-up especially on Jared, there's a lot of close-up camera angles that go in and out of focus, and I just thought that was not the best way to, to effectively use that. Because again, the dialogue and, and that was going on, the exposition between the two of them, I was really getting into, but when you get kind of this blurry, what seems like rack focus into Jared Leto's face, it just takes me out of it a little bit. So I think the technical aspect of 
that scene between the two of them and having Joe Manganiello in there and 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 Amira, who, by the way, I do have to say one thing that took me out of this a little bit, and I think this is the again dis- disconnect between this film and what we're going to see moving forward w- with the DCU is the fact that in this film, Mera has a has an accent. It's a British accent, and Amber Heard is not British. She's not English, and um, she in in the in the original cut, she speaks like. Like she has an like a normal voice in her normal voice, and they continue that with with Aquaman. So definitely, I think what that was an artistic choice that Zach had that maybe he was going to make it more of like a monarchy with the Atlanteans in a way, kind of like maybe the the, the Asgardians and the MCU. So I think that is where Zach was going to take it. And and again, I just think it was knowing what we know now with Aqu- the first Aquaman solo movie coming out. That that's not the it's a different kind of Mera that we were getting in that sequence. But seeing Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke there was awesome. And to kind of talk about that other post credit scene prior to that, where you get the the the, the original filmed post credit scene between Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor and Deathstroke that would have set up the Batman Ben Affleck's Batman film, and instead of the theatrical cut of setting up the 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 League of Doom, it would have set up Deathstroke as the main villain in the Batman, and and Lex Luthor says that Bat- Batman is Bruce Wayne, and it would have set up the psychological thriller that we were gonna get, and Megan Ellis talked about it of what the Batman film was gonna be. So to me, it was a little disheartening to see that, not just because again Zach was gonna put it in there because that was gonna be part of the original plan anyway, but to know that that was what it was gonna be, it was gonna be Batman and Deathstroke, and we haven't seen a th- theatrical version of Deathstroke before, and Megan. Nello's gonna play him. He looked badass in the armor. It just it would have been so cool to see. So that that post credit scene got me a little angry just because of the of the potentiality that would have come with it. And, and hearing all the stuff that I know about Ben Affleck's Batman script, I was really looking forward to to what we were gonna potentially get with that film. And again, I'm very excited for what we're gonna get with Robert Pattinson's Batman. And, and I'm a big fan of Matt Reeves. And that's really the main reason why I'm so excited about the new Batman is because Matt Reeves is behind it. And I love what he did with the Planet of the Apes trilogy. So, and, and seeing the, the, the first trailer that came out of the fandom last year I'm really looking forward to that but again a part of me again seeing Ben Affleck in this role once again knowing that I really like what he did in Batman v Superman being one of the the bright spots of that film and showcasing a different Batman we never really saw before more grizzled older experienced Batman that we hadn't seen before I think really would have been really really cool to see knowing that it would have been that the Deathstroke being a part of it was really 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 something I was looking forward to and and it seems like we're not going to get it so I don't know where that leaves us moving forward and then the last thing that we got was this conversation between Bruce and Martian Manhunter and it was again it was i think something that zach just wanted to kind of put in there and i think zach kind of put it in there because a was supposed to be a different character and b he was already going to try to set up martian manhunter so why not do it 
again and why not just put him in there because it was supposed to be a Green Lantern and Warner Brothers at the time did not want him to put in Green Lantern they had their own plans for it so he said you know what I'll just put Martian Manhunter in there and and put Harry Lennox's Swanwick in there and I thought it was a cool final scene again it it was cool to see Martian Manhunter and and Bruce Wayne interact with one another and to kind of have it end with Ben I think was really iconic for it as well and of course you get the big swell of the music and and Swanwick kind of says listen I've been here and and, and Martian says, I, I you know, I, I'm going to be here more. I realize my part in all this. I'll be here with the league. And that kind of at least, again, ends the this trilogy of what Zack always intended to do when promoting Batman v Superman was uniting the seven. And that's kind of what he did in this film where you have Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Flash, Aquaman, Superman. And by the end of it, at the very last scene that we get before the credits roll, we get Martian Manhunter and that is really uniting the seven members the original seven members of Justice League at least in this cut so again we kind of fade out we go to the to the heartbreaking title card of of for autumn and again it kind of just brings back into focus what this moment is when when you're watching this cut of the the history behind it all and and what zach went through and how this all came to be that that title card i think really kind of sums everything up at the end of the four hours of watching zach snyder's justice league so overall again that's really kind of my deep dive into zach snyder's justice league and again overall i really really liked it i thought it was amazing and again i do have a lot of issues with it and the first half is definitely a little bit more sluggish than the second half of this film and if you want to watch it in seven parts i do think it works just as effectively as a limited series and also as a four-hour film so I just think overall, I think you kind of see that this definitely can be seen as a conclusion to the first half of Zack Snyder's trilogy, where if you go from Man of Steel to Justice League, I think it wraps up Superman's story arc nicely and also kind of wraps up Batman's story arc nicely, but also gets you ready for what could have been the second half of this trilogy than this five story arc that Zack had set up where you have the final two Justice League films and knowing that it could have been set in the nightmare sequence and you would have had this second kind of age of heroes big battle that you that Wonder Woman set up in the first age of man you would have seen that played out in the final film and showcasing more Superman's arc. There there was a lot that was, again, left on the floor, obviously, but I think when you talk about this film alone, it definitely is a step up night and day comparison to the theatrical film and is a true blue director's cut in which even in all the things that I don't like that Zack Snyder does in his films, he does anyway, and he's been given the right the artistic creative freedom in this film to do it and you you get the highs and the lows of Zack Snyder if, if you're somebody who likes but doesn't at the same time like his work like I do and I still appreciate what this film was able to do and that I think the rewatchability factor to it is great I think you can watch this film and maybe skip over a few scenes here and there but I think overall Again, if if this was something where he cuts out some of the things he does in the first half of the film and is able to rework this down to a a, a 3, 3.15, even a 2-hour and 40-minute cut, 
I think it's a it's it's a it's a far superior movie than what we got in 2017. And and when, at the end of this, I was a little angry because I thought to myself again, just the fact that even if the studio wanted to move away from everything that was going on with Zack Snyder and if they didn't have confidence in BBS and they didn't like the tone and the direction of where they were going it, to me it's just like it, to me it's just the fact that you didn't think you had anything in this in this assembly cut in this 4 hour cut that you saw and said yeah we don't like where this is going we we want to go in another direction and you just created a mishmash of of reshoots and stuff that Zack had that just didn't really work out all that well. And again, surprisingly, a lot of the stuff, especially the stuff in part five, is a lot of Zack's stuff. And a lot of the stuff that I think a lot of people enjoy of the theatrical cut is Zack Snyder's stuff. So again, I just think the fact that you, you didn't think you had a three hour cut of this film is just mind blowing to me. And Again, I think it, this will just kind of be the the conclusion of this crazy story that we're a part of, and that this 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 journey that Justice League has taken. This is, I think, the exclamation mark that the fans have been looking for. And I know they've been wanting the the restore the Snyderverse, and they want to see more. And I definitely want to see more. But again, I don't know if that's where Warner Brothers is going to go. I don't know if HBO Max will put up the money for it. But again, I think for what we got in the conclusion of getting this version out. The true version of what we should of what Justice League really kind of should have been not this four hour cut but again something 243 hours I think again would have been night and day better than what we got in 2017 so overall I, I really like this film I'm gonna go back and watch it again I highly recommend it especially if you have watched BBS Man of Steel and are interested in this I definitely recommend checking this out whether it's in parts or a full four hours definitely highly recommend this film eight out of ten stars is what I give Zack Snyder's Justice League so what did you guys think about Zack Snyder's Justice League if you have checked it out let me know spoilers down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts I love to know what you thought about Zack Snyder's Justice League and with that out of the way everybody that will do it for this review on the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on the network, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also check out goal-driven professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to check me out on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Also, if you want to check out my YouTube channel where I do a bunch of interviews with people from filmmakers to actors and a lot of pundits that work in the world of film and television, you can check out my YouTube channel 
the Sam Bissell podcast and also my interview with author and Cinema Blend Managing Director Sean O'Connell, who if you after you've watched Zack Snyder's Justice League or before you watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, if you want to know the history of how we got to this film that is on HBO Max, you can check out my interview with Sean O'Connell where he wrote a book called Release the Snyder Cut, which gives you all the details behind the scenes of how we got to this point of getting Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. So check out that interview on my YouTube channel at the Sam Bissell Podcast. And once again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep on screening. I have a second chance. I am not going to waste it. He said the age of heroes would never come again. Fighting the devil in his army. You know, I don't care how many demons he's fought and how many hells. He's never fought us united. It's time to stand, fight. The time is now.